Hello everyone and welcome back to another odd and macabre episode of Vamp Jen's Corner, an extension of my official blog site of the same name which you can visit at jenvasquez.com. I'm your host Vamp Jennifer and in case you missed this announcement on social media, this is the season finale episode. I'll be giving more details about that at the end of the show just to elaborate on what my plan is, so stick around if you're interested in hearing me share that information. Since this is the finale of season one, I thought it only fitting that I talk about some of the best ways to keep the Halloween spirit alive year-round. I don't know how many of you out there are aware of this, but the 100-day mark to October 31st is a pretty big deal in the Halloween community, and that mark happens on July 23rd this year. Because I won't be releasing new episodes during that time, I decided to celebrate 100 days till Halloween early. On a side note, there's also Halloween, which happens every April 30th and May 1st. That is the six-month mark to the spooky holiday. While Pergus Night is also celebrated by some on those days, which has been referred to as a sort of springtime Halloween. When you love this spooky holiday, you look for any reason to celebrate it anytime. And if you're like me, you start the countdown to next Halloween once November 1st hits. I absolutely love when fall rolls around, especially when October begins. Both my birthday and favorite holiday happen during this time. Some celebrate All Hallows' Eve just for the day. Some make it a month-long fate. For me, ministry got it right when they sang, every day is Halloween. For many, Halloween's not just a holiday, it's a lifestyle. And for those of you out there that feel the same, let's talk about how to keep it creepy. As always, I'll include links in the show notes to where you can find the blog post version of this episode and any relevant information to the content discussed. I'm going to start off with some literature picks. In the last episode, I gave several macabre book recommendations, so listen to that if you love to read and love material that's dark. The titles I mentioned are definitely good choices for awakening the spooky side in us all. There's no arguing that digging into a scary story is a spooktacular way to get into the Halloween spirit. There is a plethora of bone-chilling reading material out there, plus new ones releasing all the time. When I'm in the mood for a classic, I reach for my Edgar Allan Poe anthology. It is a behemoth of a book, too. A cousin of mine gifted it to me a long time ago for my birthday. It's over a thousand pages and contains every story and poem Poe is known to have penned plus some extras like criticisms and reviews. The Black Cat is one of my favorite works by the writer, and in college I wrote a paper on the short story. I love how Poe explored the dark psychology of the human mind through his characters. To me, true horrors exist within our shadow selves, and I feel Poe recognized that too. He demonstrates this excellently in not only The Black Cat, but in several of his other works. I also found a book that contains illustrations of select works by Poe titled Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Mystery and Madness. The book is illustrated by Grizz Grimley and includes The Black Cat, The Mask of the Red Death, Hop Frog, and The Fall of the House of Usher. The narratives have been slightly reworked but still manage to stay true to the original writings. The drawings are really neat and remind me of something you'd see in a Tim Burton film. I think fans of Poe would appreciate this interpretation of his works. And I mean, you can't help but feel like it's already October when you read Poe. 
Bram Stoker's Dracula also doesn't fail to draw me into a world of darkness, and it feeds my obsession for vampires. Speaking of vampires, I also have to mention the Dark Tower series by Joseph Argo. A little backstory. In November of last year, I had the extreme honor of interviewing Vargo, who is an artist that creates the most beautiful gothic creations. He's also a musician, which I'll be talking about his music project Nox Arcana in a bit, and he's a writer. I have been a huge fan of his since I was a teenager. I go into more detail in the blog post, so I'll include the link of where you can find that in the show notes if you're interested in reading the interview and seeing some of his astounding illustrations. Well, while we were in correspondence, he and his partner Christine Philippak were so gracious and sent me free copies of the entire Dark Tower series, plus some other awesome goodies like his Born of the Night art book. I was beyond elated when I got the package and didn't expect to be gifted the entire trilogy. The titles in the series are Tales from the Dark Tower, Beyond the Dark Tower, and Return to the Dark Tower. Do you notice a theme emerging here? I finished the first book a few months back and I'm going to read the synopsis directly from the monolith graphics site since I can't find better words to summarize the work. Here it is. Vampires who dwell deep within forbidden crypts, lost souls who wander mist-shotted cemeteries, and gargoyles of living stone. Herein lie the dark legends scribed long ago. These tragic tales of myth and forbidden lore chronicle a sinister legacy as it unfolded in the forgotten past and the curse that yet lurks within the shadow of the Dark Tower. So that's the summary of book one straight from the Monolith Graphics website. And I will add that monolithgraphics.com is the official website where you can find Joseph Vargo's work and merchandise. Now, with the books, what Vargo did was gather a group of writers, including himself, to create an anthology of short tales that are all interwoven. And these stories are inspired by Vargo's drawings, so you get to admire these illustrations and to see them come to life through the words of the authors. Books two and three continue the overarching grand narrative, taking you further into the sinister magical realm. The chapter, Born of the Night in Book 1, is inspired by Vargo's illustration of the same name and contains a selection of passages that speak of how the night and moon came into union that utterly pulls at my heartstrings when I read it. It's beautifully written and I think I'm going to find an excuse to read it on a future podcast episode. And I have to say, even though there are different writers creating these tales, it doesn't ever feel disharmonious. It's evident they had a clear vision of what they were portraying with these stories, and it all comes together seamlessly. Each author has a very poetic style, and the descriptions are rich, dripping with seductive details. That's a writing style I truly appreciate. If you really want to immerse in the macabre experience, then listen to the accompanying Dark Tower soundtrack by Nox Arcana while reading. Nox Arcana is a music project that Vargo started in 2003 with former bandmate William Piotrowski. It's now just the solo project of Joseph Vargo. The sounds are gothic inspired and darkly ambient. I've listened to every album that's been released and the tracks are mesmerizing, evoking a transcendent ambience. A few of my CD favorites include Theater of Illusion, Transylvania, and Legion of Shadows. And last year, he dropped a new album titled Excelsior. 
since we're on the topic of music, I must say that one of my favorite things to do when I am really missing Halloween is to listen to dark sounds. I play some sort of macabre tunes every day. For me, I find it comforting and transporting. I've really gotten into Lamia Vox, Atrium Carceri, and Arcana. Not to be confused with Nox Arcana. This group uh, just goes by Arcana, A-R-C-A-N-A. Each of these groups either has occult influences, horror vibes, or dark ambient sounds. On Pandora, I have a station called Midnight Syndicate, named after the group comprised of composers Edward Douglas and Gavin Gosca. The station I created streams a neat selection of Halloween-inspired tracks. And to give a bit more information on Midnight Syndicate, the duo has been creating haunting melodies since the 1990s, with albums that include The 13th Hour, Vampire, and Monsters of Legend. They also just announced a new release called Life Shadows, which contains recordings from their live performances. The music I mentioned is mainly instrumental, but if you prefer more upbeat haunting sounds, there are plenty of recommendations I can make, from Ministry's Every Day is Halloween to Aurelio Voltaire's Brains track from Cartoon Network's The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy TV show. If you're not familiar with Aurelio Voltaire, he's a musician who has a dark cabaret style. I got into his music back in high school and saw him perform at Bar Sinister in LA. He's fantastic and his music is totally unique and entertaining. Also, let's not overlook film soundtracks like The Nightmare Before Christmas or Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Last year, the horror media site Creepy Kingdom hosted a virtual Halloween at home event, and I had the pleasure of crafting up a list of best music for the Halloween season for them to feature on their website. I'll have a link of where you can find um, that to give it a look over, plus the article contains links where you can listen to full tracks. In addition to reading and listening to horror, watching it is a must. There's something about putting on a scary flick that makes it feel like the fall season when the nights are extra long. From hammer films to slasher movies to eerie television shows, how do you choose? There's a series called The Frankenstein Chronicles that I saw a couple of years ago on Netflix. I believe it's still streaming. Allow me to paint a picture of what you can expect. It is set in 19th century England, and Mary Shelley's famous book has just been published. Investigator John Marlett is set out to examine a string of crimes committed by someone who wants to mimic what Victor Frankenstein achieves in the novel, resurrecting the dead. It's definitely a show you can binge watch. It only aired for a season that includes six episodes. In regard to movies, I love As Above So Below. It takes place in the underground catacombs of Paris where a team of researchers appears to be descending into the depths of hell. It came out in 2014 and is filmed in, I assume what you'd call a mockumentary style, similar to The Blair Witch Project. It's trippy and it creeps me out every time I see it. And there's a movie I discovered last year called Antrim, the deadliest movie ever made. I don't remember how I came across it, I think I was browsing on my TV, but the movie begins with a warning stating that it's cursed and that viewers may experience terrible horrors after watching it, from illness to even death.
after witnessing an opening like that, of course, I have to watch the entire thing. It's set sometime in the 1970s and focuses on a brother and sister that dig a hole to hell in the middle of this forest. The reason they're digging this hole in the first place is because the younger brother's dog recently died and he believes his pet soul was damned and he wants to save her. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure the little boy thinks his dog went to hell because his mother thought it'd be funny to say since she was a bad dog, she probably didn't go to heaven. What kind of parent jokes around like that with your kids? Seriously. Anyway, his older sister feels bad and decides to go along with what her brother believes. So she pretends she got a hold of this occult book that will help them save their pet. They camp out in the woods around a spot where the sister claims Satan fell from heaven and where there's a portal to hell. So they start digging. What they experience is dark. It's filled with a lot of occult and satanic references and occasionally esoteric images suddenly pop on the screen then disappear. I loved it. But if you're not into super scary movies or are looking for more family-friendly entertainment that will still give you the Halloween feels, you can opt for options like Tim Burton's movies. Almost all of his works take you into a macabre world, and The Nightmare Before Christmas to this day remains my favorite movie of his. Also, a couple of years ago, a website called Gothic and Amazing was putting together their latest magazine issue, and the theme was Victorian Goth. I thought it would be fun to create a list of films and TV shows that a Victorian Goth would enjoy watching. So I pitched the idea to them, they liked it, and published it in their issue. I'm going to mention just a few of the selections I included in that article because they also capture a wonderfully macabre spirit. Let's see, there's the series Penny Dreadful, which is not only a Victorian goth's dream come to life, but also any horror fans. If you haven't seen it, in the series, the 19th century's most popular horror literature characters are brought together on the small screen. Dracula, Frankenstein and his monster, Dorian Gray, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, among many others. And Eva Green as the enchanting Vanessa Ives, ugh, I just don't even have words. I want every gown she wore in the show. On a totally unrelated side note, for the last in-person Endless Night Vampire Ball in LA that I attended, I found a dress that was inspired by Penny Dreadful and 1950s vamps in a color called Oxblood, so I snatched it up. That was my Vanessa Ives magical moment. I got the dress from a brand called Le Femme Noir. I want to mention that this is not a paid sponsorship, I'm not getting any money for talking about them, but um, the aesthetic is for those who are darkly inclined, so if any of you out there have an appreciation for dark fashion, you can look the shop up. There's some Vampira inspired pieces and a Sleepy Hollow collection, so check out Le Femme Noir if you like. Okay, that is the end of my little tangent. Where were we? Victorian goth films that keep the Halloween spirit alive. Alright, I have another TV series for you. Who recalls the TV show Dracula that aired on NBC back in like 2013-2014 with Jonathan Rhys Myers as the head vampire? So unlike the vampire character, the series was not immortal and only lasted a season. 
From what I remember, the network had debuted another show at the same time, and because Dracula didn't pull as many ratings, it got the boot. Yeah, I thought that sucked, no pun intended, but the show was really good. All of these Dracula adaptations have their own twist, and I liked the storyline this version of Dracula laid out. It's set during the late 1800s, and Dracula masquerades as an American entrepreneur who travels to London to showcase his advancements in the technology of electricity. He also has an ulterior motive, to take revenge on those that cursed him with immortality centuries ago. Matters become complicated when he meets a young woman, Mina, who looks identical to his deceased wife. Although the show is no longer around, don't despair because you can buy it on DVD and Blu-ray. We also have The Woman in Black that's based on Susan Hill's gothic novella of the same name and stars Daniel Radcliffe as London lawyer Arthur Kipps, whose wife died years earlier during childbirth. He's sent on business to an eerie mansion to settle the estate affairs of the deceased occupant. And it's not long before strange and supernatural occurrences begin to take place. Speaking of grand haunted mansions, we have to talk about Guillermo del Toro's film Crimson Peak. Del Toro truly has a gift for depicting the dark and supernatural. The movie captures the essence of gothic romance. You've got the iconic gothic mansion. It's beautiful and grotesque, alive and rotting, and its presence forebodes sinister energies lurking in the shadows. Butterflies, which have had a long-standing association with death, are a prevalent symbol throughout the movie. And because I love writing, the script really caught my attention. It's filled with string lines that are very poetic at times. These movies are just a few modern-day selections, but the horror film genre has existed for more than a century. Alfred Hitchcock alone deserves an entire podcast episode, or hell, even a whole podcast show dedicated to his filmography. Lastly, I'm going to share how to evoke the Halloween spirits with home decor. Just because October comes to an end doesn't mean you have to take down the cobwebs and skeletons. Dedicate a space in your abode, or your entire home if you can, to All Hallows Eve. To what extent is up to you? Paint your walls in a darker shade, put up a few ghoulish works of art, or buy a spooky set of tableware. The husband and I moved into a new place last October, and my sister-in-law really helped us transform our living room area into a Victorian Gothic lounge-like space. My tastes definitely have more 19th century Gothic leanings, so we found this beautifully elaborate designed purple wallpaper to cover the main wall. It's my favorite part of our home to take photos, and if you follow me on Instagram, you've no doubt seen the wallpaper. We've got some hanging chandeliers with flickering lights, and I'm in the process of getting my dark art wall together. Once that's done, because it's the last bit that's not finished, I want to do a blog post showing more photos of my home decor. So hopefully I can do that soon. But I've seen people decorate their homes in all sorts of macabre ways. Horror enthusiasts may showcase more horror film memorabilia. Some opt for a more traditional Halloween look with lots of orange and black and pumpkins. There was someone I came across that loves the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland, so their kitchen is decked out in a Haunted Mansion theme. There's lots of different options, and you can go big or small. If you like DIY projects, then I highly recommend you subscribe to Aurelio Voltaire's YouTube channel, Valera Voltaire, and watch his gothic homemaking series. Yep, 
the same Voltaire I talked about earlier who I saw perform live. This guy is a jack of all trades. He recently launched season 6 in May. I am not good at DIY projects whatsoever, but I love watching his episodes because he transforms the most mundane objects into such dark wonders. You can learn how to make a candelabra out of wine bottles, transform a birdhouse into a black metal church nightlight, and create your own coffin-shaped pieces. Pinterest is another fantastic way to get inspiration for darkening up your place. I have a goth decor board that I like to refer to when I need ideas. Well, I believe we've come to the end of my suggestions on how to keep the Halloween spirit alive and well throughout the year. So I did mention that this is the final episode of season one. I just want to say I've had a blast creating these episodes and as a podcast newbie it's been a wonderful experience. I learned a lot and am continuing to learn along the way. I want to thank you listeners who've been sticking around and listening to the show. Uh, I also want to take a moment to give a special shout out to Joe Philippus who was gracious enough to make a donation through my blog site. Thank you again, Joe, for always tuning in and for your positive comments regarding my work. Um, If anyone's interested in donating, I have a tab on my blog site called Want to Support My Work, where I explain what contributions go toward. Uh, There's also a listener support link in the show description. And I want to express my gratitude to all of you out there. I do what I do because I'm passionate about it and I love writing and sharing my autumn macabre adventures. But another huge reason I continue to create content is because I hope to brighten up someone's day or inspire in some way through my words and what I'm putting out there. I want what I create to put positive energy out into the world. And if I'm not accomplishing that, I don't think I'd be as motivated to keep going. So it truly makes me happy to hear that my work is having a good impact. In the words of Shakespeare, parting is such sweet sorrow, but it will only be temporary. I want to deliver some fun episodes for the Halloween season, so I plan to have the podcast return with season two sometime in September. I thought it was appropriate because that's when haunts start to happen and the air just brims with spookiness. And since pandemic restrictions are lifting, I have a good hunch there will be a lot more to do this autumn. Also, I don't want to say much, but it looks like I may start attending some in-person events. It's been a while and I want to slowly get myself out there, so keep your eye on my blog Vamchan's Corner for new features. Thank you all for joining me for this season finale of the Vamp Gen's Corner Show. You can still find me creeping around on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Official. I wish you all a wonderful summer or winter, depending on where you're at in the world. And until next time, stay auto macabre.